Welcome to Location Matters, the podcast from NGIS, covering the world of mapping and location technology. Startups and spatial technology. This is episode 17 of Location Matters, and today I'm joined by the Director of Commercialization and Partnerships at Spur, powered by Landgate, Justin Van Didden, and the CEO of Instatruck, Siobhan Lancaster. And today we're talking about how spatial technology is powering startups in WA. So I'll start with you, Justin. Tell me, what is Spur? Okay, thanks, Adam. So Spur provides uh, innovation funding grants for startup businesses using location data and technology. Um, the current 2017 winners include Builders E-Commerce, Planning Space, Laconic, Space to Co, Ovas, Landguide, and Smart Vision. Um, pre- Siobhan was part of the 2016 round, along with um, other businesses such as Clark Data Solutions, Money Catcher, Community Insights Australia, who are launching today, uh, Property SMS, and Ystop um, and Western Aerial Mapping, who are doing some great work in the agriculture space with drones. Is it easy for people to get into Spur? So Spur provides not only the funding grants but we also and the access to location data, but we also provide a mentoring service for those seeking to use location data. So if a startup's working with, a, with an idea who and maybe not having a, a good understanding of location data, we also provide an opportunity to provide that, I guess, mentoring and advisory role to, to how to obtain the data. That includes an opportunity to, to have co-working access at our Midland office and our city office as well. Where does Spur fit into the startup scene? I mean, we've got people like Space Cubed and, and Flux and so on, uh, and many others around Australia. Where does Spur fit in? Our focus is on essentially on the ones that are using location-based technology and data from government. Um, but in saying that, location technology is quite ubiquitous. It's in essentially a lot of uh, industries and sectors, such as agriculture, transport, and mining, uh, but we really focus on the, the role that location technology provides in supporting those different sectors. Siobhan, you've been through Spur and you're running a business at the moment called Instatruck. Tell us, what was it like to go through Spur and, and why did you choose to do that? Um, thanks. Uh, we went through Spur because someone sent us a link saying, hey, you should look at applying for this grant. Um, and because our business is based on location data, we're actually eligible for it, even though we were thinking, oh, transport doesn't have very much to do with land titles or anything like that. But it's actually been a great program for us um, because, you know, our whole technology is based around location data. You know, we use it for everything from tracking vehicles to um, also working out what our pricing is. Where does spatial technology fit in if you're a startup? And maybe you could tell us about some of the other startups as well that you met through Spur. Yeah, so I mean, we're an obvious um, startup in that we're, we're tracking the location of vehicles to try and get the best matching truck um, for a job. So we're basically trying to get a closest truck um, that fits the product into it. Okay. I mean, I went to a talk um, by Yuri Levine, who is the founder of Waze, amongst many other um, interesting startups. And, you know, obviously that's all about location and, and using your GPS to help you get places. And he said the reason there's so many great startups in Israel is that they have built this fantastic ecosystem mm. 
that allows uh, government, military, um, business to work with young founders. Tell me, um, Justin, what does Spur need from government and industry to create the right environment for innovation? Firstly, I think, um, I guess quite proudly, um, I think government is doing a pretty good job in Western Australia compared to other states, um, particularly around in the, the area of location technology, at least. Um, I believe that, you know, our role of sharing information across government is pretty much, I guess, first class uh, in Australia and a leading example of how to do it. Why is that? I just think if you look at the Data WA portal and the amount of data, location data from different government agencies that is available and the amount that that's growing by year on year, um, which is available then for people to, to I guess, leverage and create new ideas from, uh, it's a great example, not only for startups to create new products and services, but also from other government agencies and private organisations and industry to actually harness value from that data as well. Traditionally, that data would, would have been a lot harder to access, and I think having uh, just opening it up more on a regular basis more broadly. So that's one part of it I think that we're doing a, a pretty good job with now. I think um, also the role that um, government's playing in supporting the, I guess, the emerging startup sector with things like we're seeing with you know funding grants and different, uh, I guess, I guess incubation programs that are that are appearing more often now as well, and there is I guess in order to do to create the right environment, we also need to look at, at you know I guess from the traditional industries, including the traditional spatial industry, around um, looking at ways to partner with startups possibly more. So yes, you're right. Using that example of Israel and that a collaboration in, uh, between the different sectors, if you like, from research to industry to government to startups. And I think we're doing a pretty good job in WA now, but yes, we could definitely do more. And I think it's a challenge to spatial industries, um, traditional businesses, and to government as well to work more collaboratively in an ongoing basis as well. Siobhan, you've taken an idea all the way through to execution and now you've got customers. What has it been like in WA? Has there been the support that you've needed from business and government? Yeah, look, I, you know, we've been very fortunate um, in that we've been able to work with Spur um, which was uh, we were able to receive a grant from them, but we've also, you know, won Innovator of the Year growth category, which was also very useful um, because all these sorts of awards that you can go for really lift the profile. I mean, a lot of the a lot of the difficulties with being a startup is actually earning the trust of people to use your product, and I think by the very nature of businesses in Western Australia you know, it's quite hard to earn that trust. So I think government can play a really important role in actually assisting companies to build that trust with, you know, real businesses so that they're actually willing to use your product. So I think that that's a big thing, really. Where have you seen success for Instatruck? Um, look, the majority of our success comes from the fact that we're solving a real problem, which is basically um, drivers who are looking for more utilisation of their trucks and also for businesses that are looking to get their goods out um, on demand for their customers. So, for example, you know, the Harvey Normans of the world who want to move TVs really fast when you walk in there, they're able to just quickly book on Instatruck and, and get, a truck, get a TV delivered in like 20 minutes. So it's a really... Um, valuable value proposition but you know there's there's many other efficiencies that we create as well in terms of optimizing routes and doing things like that for companies so you know really what we do is we bring together that whole um, transport and logistics problem and make it a lot easier for companies to manage their dispatch and transport. Other than the grant do you think that um, as a startup you had the ecosystem around you to help you bloom? 
and what's missing if it wasn't there? Look, I think the big thing in WA is funding. Um, I mean, it's just recently come out in Tech Board's report that I think 8% of funding has come to uh, WA companies in Australia, which is a really low amount given the number of startups in WA. And I think part of that is that WA is so based around, um, you know, exploration and mining. Um, you know, it just makes it really hard to get investors over here really engaged in your product. And and another issue with that is apparently the majority of funding comes from um, from investors who are only two kilometres away from the company that they're funding. So that really puts WA um, startups at a bit of a disadvantage, even though we've got great products and great technology here. I wonder if we can do some sort of spatial analysis and work out where all those investors live <laughs> and perhaps get within that two-kilometre uh, radius, go hang out at their cafes. You know, Bill, uh, Bill Tai, who's a multimillionaire um, who's been involved in lots of startups, he said recently that the combination of lots of smart people, nice weather and um, kite surfing, which is one of his favourite things to do, could make Perth a new Silicon Valley. What do you think about that, Justin? Um, I agree, and I'm probably just echoing, I guess, Siobhan's comments there around funding being a, a prerequisite for that and a challenge to, I guess, those that are providing that funding to, from their current paradigm of funding to, to look at startups, I guess, in a more diversified portfolio approach. Um, I also think the opportunity of geographically where we sit, um, which has been stated before, around you know the, the Southeast Asian precinct and the, the populations in developing areas ahead of us, um, above us, I guess, geographically and the opportunities that that are there. I think we're well positioned. I would just sort of add to that. I think a big part of um, getting a Silicon Valley-like ecosystem going here is to do with education and the number of programmers that are coming out of universities. And that's probably a little bit capped here um, compared to Silicon Valley, who has a, a massive feed of universities around it. In saying that, um, you know, if you were to get the amount of talent here as well as the funding here, then yes, definitely we've got the ability and the right con- set of conditions to have a great um, startup uh, sort of Silicon Valley environment. One thing that Bill Tai said in the um, in the article where he was talking about that Perth could be the next Silicon Valley is that you don't have to be in the same location as 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 um, as it used to be, you don't have to be in the same room or the same building as it was in the eighties and the nineties and and the two thousands. I spoke to someone in the marketing industry who'd done really well. He was from Perth and and he had um, built a business, grown it, and then sold it. And he said that the problem with Perth at the moment is that you have this hugely amount of talented people who are there for the lifestyle, but no head office thinking. Do you think, Justin, that potentially with you know, the video conferencing and the ability to work, you know, using Slack and, and drive, you know, online drives, could Perth really take advantage of this? How, how do we, how do we take advantage? Yeah, I think you're right with the, the use of technology to collaborate, um, I guess more broadly without need to be physically co-located, um, is definitely you know, possible. And I guess to your point around the, the leadership, if you like, and that's probably a role that both government and you know, in particular, uh, aspiring, you know, ecosystem, I guess, programs, um, startup programs, for example, can work together to help sort of incubate that, that sort of thinking. Okay. So it's, it's well known that large companies and governments struggle to innovate 
What's your opinion, Siobhan? How can they use young and enthusiastic people, uh, you know, to change the way they do business, you know, entrepreneurs? Yeah, so that's a really interesting um, problem that you've just brought up. Uh, The problem with the very large companies that I've found is that they have business processes which they've developed over the course of a lot of years and that's um, been developed around policy and process and all of this sort of stuff. And the problem with innovation is, of course, that it seeks to change these business processes. So that makes it really difficult for these big companies to actually innovate um, because uh, there's very much a a sort of certain way of thinking about things. Um, So, yes, I think entrepreneurs are definitely the way to go. Um, but I think they need to engage as well with, um, you know, startups who really specialise in a certain area because there's a lot of sort of companies saying, oh, well, we can go and we can innovate and we can develop this product. But, you know, the best product comes from someone who's really thinking full time about a problem and trying to solve it rather than, you know, a little team that's placed on the side of a company and thinking, okay, we can solve these big problems, but we've got a million other things to do at the same time. I just actually read a book, I think The Second Machine Age, um, and in that book they talk about, you know, one of the challenges for, for innovation is not the amount of innovation building blocks, if you like, it's the because the building blocks of innovation are, are growing exponentially. What we've got a challenge is, is with the amount of people to look at uh, you know, harnessing these ideas and to recombining them into innovative, I guess, new, you know, pulling them together, a bit like Waze, for example. So just to talk about Waze again, Waze is actually a recombination of different innovative products that weren't in itself created as an innovative solution, but it was bringing together the role of GPS, a location device in your phone, social networks, and, combi- and along with the, I guess, the traditional internet now, combining them together to create what is now a you know, great platform for uh, you know, transport planning. And that's just an example of showing you all these different individual building blocks. And now the challenge, though, for big business is, is just that willingness to put the eyes and effort into looking at opportunities that might exist around that. Yeah, definitely. And one thing that's interesting about Waze as well is that using um, their data, they're helping local uh, councils and, and cities around the world actually get better at planning their roads and, and dealing with congestion and incidents and so on. Um, and there's some really great examples of that, uh, which I can put in the show notes. One thing I wanted to ask both of you, are there any tools and services that you could recommend that people who are looking to innovate with spatial technology could look up? Um, firstly, I would, I would encourage people to look at, from a data perspective, data WA. Um, .gov.au and the data.gov.au, the federal um, data portal, if you like. There's a lot of a lot of data available there um, that can be, I guess, leveraged for different applications. And obviously, our tech is based on Google Maps, um, which is a fantastic product. It does so many different things. So, you know, I recommend people who are looking at tracking assets and things like that to have a look at that as well as any other sort of mapping out there. No worries. All right. Well, thank you very much both for joining us today on Location Matters. I will put those um, suggestions in the show notes. And as usual, if you are looking to subscribe, please check out Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Stitcher. You've been listening to Location Matters, the podcast from NGIS covering the world of mapping and location technology.
find more episodes or to read our blog, check out our website, ngis.com.au.